Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You. So wonderful to have you with us today. Israel Team is a ministry where we fight anti-Semitism and anti-Israelism on college campuses. And you can find out more about Israel Team at israelteam.org. It's an educational website. It'll help you understand why anti-Semitism is rising against the Jewish people these days in America. You can follow us on Facebook book at Israel Team Advocates. And so Israel Team has received a matching grant, and you can help us uh, meet this matching grant dollar for dollar by going to israelteam.org and standing with the Jewish people and helping us communicate uh, God's heart for the Jewish people in these days when so much hatred is rising towards our Jewish friends. Well, this is a time in the world, it's almost like we're in a wilderness experience, isn't it? Uh, this is a Christmas season, and because of COVID and so many other issues, uh, people are stressed, people are in a wilderness season. And so we're going to do a, a wonderful two-part Christmas special beginning today and then next week, which is Christmas, about the value and the importance of finding peace in a time of a wilderness experience. And so joining me in the program today is a very special guest, and it's my wife, Sharon Free. Sharon is the Associate Dean for Research and Evaluation and Development at the College of Nursing at the University of South Alabama. And her research has really focused on the family table and the importance of eating together, sharing a meal together around the table. And so during this uh, season, it's very important that all of us really come to the table and share a meal together and uh, through this holiday season, there's going to be lots of meal times. So Sharon is here today to kind of instruct us and help us how to make the family meal just a wonderful experience. So Sharon, welcome to the program today. Great. Thanks, Aaron. It's wonderful to be here today. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share some of my work as well as sharing the spiritual significance of um, a shared meal around the table. And I think the goal of these um, podcasts are really to sort of guide individuals on the spiritual implications, provide some instruction, encouragement, and some practical tips. So I'm going to start with just sharing the importance. You know, in Psalm 78, 19, it says, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? And the scripture tells us clearly that the nature of God is to prepare a table in the wilderness experiences of our life. When the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, God in his loving mercy and kindness prepared manna from heaven in the morning. Some called it angel's food and water out of the rock and quail for meat. Talk about the faithfulness of God. And Jesus had compassion on the multitudes in the wilderness because they had nothing to eat. He miraculously prepared a meal of fish and bread for 5,000 people in the wilderness. And you know, today, God is constantly preparing a table for us. 
David spoke of this character of God when he proclaimed in the very familiar 23rd Psalm, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. A wonderful picture of Jesus is the way he washed his disciples' feet um, and just prior to sing the table with them at the Last Supper. In fact, one of the last things that Jesus did before he ascended into heaven was to make breakfast for the disciples along the seashore. You know, so interesting, Sharon, that, you know, during this Christmas season, when there's so much stress, and again, you know, COVID and so many other issues, um, it's, it's, why is it so important to make the Christmas table, uh, the seasonal, you know, f- festive table, why is it important to make it such a valuable place? You know, I think in just terms of, I always say that the spiritual significance really brings, comes forward with research, but you know, there's so many benefits to just sharing time at the table. And, you know, for children with families that share meals, it really builds resilience, families that eat together. Um, a lot of times there's less depression, less eating disorders, the kids do better in school, fewer problems. And I think it's also important for healthy eating that sharing a, a meal around the table, I do a lot of work with healthy meals, but they're really, it, it really prevents obesity. Kids are more physically active and, and it's just so important. Um, for family connection. And we're going to share some really fun things that we do. But I just want to encourage that the table is really a fun place. Make it a positive experience. You have a lot of family members coming over. It's always a place of encouragement and a place of letting some of the elders share stories of their life and being purposeful and making purposely the meal a really fun place. I remember eating at your mother's table, Sharon, and uh, your mother is with the Lord now, uh, and your dad is still living. He's 95 years of age, and our kids, you know, every holiday when we're together as a family, our children are always begging your dad, who spent um, the second half of his life building churches. He was a general contractor, building churches in the third world, and so at the family meal table, he shares his experience and you know they ask him questions he's delighted because he gets to tell stories but you know it's the table is always a place especially for grandmas and grandpas to be able to share their values their testimonies and their life experiences that is so true and you know i just encourage each and every one of you when you gather around the table you know a lot of times grandparents won't offer that information, but ask questions and, and say, please share a little bit about this, or because many times we know the stories, but maybe our kids or grandkids haven't heard those stories. So be purposeful. Um, and I think that that's going to be really a great way to really learn and to encourage one another around the table. So Sharon, tell us, what are some, what are some things that we can do? What are some really important issues of making a table a special place, especially, as you said earlier, that, you know, the children of Israel ask, you know, can God make a table for us out here in our wilderness wanderings? So what are some wonderful things that we can do uh, to make the table special? 
You know, that's a great, great question. And you know, I think, first of all, the table throughout scripture in Deuteronomy 6, 4, it's a, the table is a place of instruction. You know, in 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed, the rabbi said the home is a new temple. The home is the temple. The priest is the father, the mother, the dining room is the altar. The table is the place of instruction and the bread is his presence. And the table is also a place of covering and protection. In 2 Samuel 9.13, it says, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. The story of Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, was accidentally dropped in the midst of a war. Usually when a new king came to palace, the former king's family was put to death, but that was not the case here. David cared for Mephibosheth. Even though Mephibosheth was handicapped, he sat at the king's table and his feet was co- his feet were, was covered. He wasn't looked at with physical challenges. He was um, shared a family experience and love and joy around the table. And at the king's table, he was royalty. You know, kids today have peer pressure. They need a f- place to feel covered and protected by family at the table. The pressures our husbands face, our wives face during work and all the challenges, the table is a place of royalty. You know, I remember as a child, my Jewish grandmother always uh, prepared a beautiful table for the family, and she would always take the bread and she would cover it with a white tablecloth. And when I went to my grandmother's house, you know, especially as a teenager, when I was having stress, peer pressure at school, I would ride my bicycle over to my grandmother's house and she would prepare this beautiful lunch for me and always the bread with the white tablecloth. And somehow at that place, I felt like Mephibosheth. I was broken. You know, my, uh, you may say, say I had, you know, lame feet and, you know, discouragement. I was in a wilderness. But at that table, my grandmother's table, I, she made me feel like a prince. And so it's so important that when a person comes to your family table, especially in this difficult season of our world, that everyone there feels like they're royalty. And another point, too, is that the table illustrates preparation. Psalm 31, 14 through 15, she is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household. This preparation can lead to, as First Kings 10, 4 through 5, um, which talks about when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, and their apparel, the cupbearer, that there was no more spirit in her. The queen of Sheba was totally amazed and inspired by the king's table. When our children know that we take the time, it can draw something out of all of us. It inspires conversation, inspires excellence, inspires reconciliation and communication. And looking back, I now realize what my mother was trying to do. She prepared a table each evening and she demonstrated preparation and she was inspiring us to value our family and to value each other. And I think the table also is a place of building loyalty where who are our children loyal to? Families are being divided today. Did Mephibosheth become disloyal to David when he lost his kingship? No. When David returned to Jerusalem, Mephibosheth said, 
For all my father's house were but dead man before my lord, my king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your table. Because he daily ate at the king's table, there was a loyalty established. In fact, the scripture says that Mephibosheth had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day that King David departed until the day he returned in peace. What loyalty, what commitment to his authority. Mephibosheth himself says it was all because of the king's table. Your children are constantly being offered the delicacies of the world. The enemy's trying to divide our families. The, the mealtime is a wonderful way to establish covenant and relationship with our kids. There's something special about the table that establishes loyalty. You can so- sort of see the reverse of it. You can also see it in a negative way. Jezebel, the evil queen, understood this principle. She was able to divide the hearts of Israel to reject God and follow Baal. How did she accomplish this? Second Kings 18.19 tells us that 400 prophets of Baal, they ate at Jezebel's table. Yeah, such a great point about loyalty. I remember when I was in high school, you know, there was all the people wanting me to be loyal to the dark side, you might say, and, you know, drag me into things that were not healthy for me. But what, what really kept me loyal to God during those years was my grandma's table. And in fact, the night I graduated from high school, instead of going to the prom and you know, being drawn into all the things that would happen there, uh, I walked the aisle, I received my diploma. Where did I go? I went straight to my grandmother's house and she prepared a graduation meal for me. And it's my, my loyalty was not divided. She would always say, you know, don't walk the fence. Don't have one foot in the world and, you know, one foot into the Lord. But, you know, st- stay in the straight and narrow is what she would say. And she would always say, you know, from her Jewish upbringing, she would say, follow the cloud, but never the crowd. In other words, the children of Israel, in their wilderness experience, they followed the cloud. And so she'd say to me, Aaron, follow the cloud, but never follow the crowd. And all those things I learned at sitting at her table, and I was loyal to God through those wilderness years as a teenager because of the significance of my grandmother's table. So when we come back, the other side of the break, uh, Sharon is going to share uh, some really more important issues and points about why it's really a great thing to make your table special this Christmas, especially in a time of difficulty. And, and the Lord knows that every single one of us has gone through stress. It's been a very difficult year, actually a very difficult two years. And so our prayer for you is that this Christmas season, this holiday season, is the table will be a wonderful place of reconciliation, a place of peace, uh, a place of making your loyalty known uh, to your family and to the Lord. And so when we come back from the other side of the break, we're going to talk more about the wonderful principles of the table in a wilderness. We'll see you on the other side. Hi, I'm Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is a nonprofit organization that advocates for the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Our work is mainly on evangelical college campuses where we're seeing a growing tide of anti-Israelism and anti-Semitism. The social justice movement is falsely proclaiming that Israel is violating the human 
human rights of its neighbors. As well, critical race theory, now being taught on evangelical institutions, proclaims that Jewish people are white colonial settlers who have settled in a land that does not belong to them. This, of course, is untrue. 55% of Israelis are non-white. There are a quarter million Ethiopian Jews living in Israel, and over one million Arabs call Israel home. According to the FBI, there has been a 350% increase of anti-Semitic incidents in the last two years. As well, 70% of evangelical young people hold to a negative view of Israel. If this trend goes unchallenged, evangelicalism will be anti-Israel within 10 years. Israel team needs your help. We are building centers for understanding anti-Semitism and the rebirth of Israel on evangelical college and seminary campuses. We do presentations about how the Nazis took over college campuses in order to brainwash the minds of young German Christians. We're building bridges of understanding through our nights to honor the Jewish people in churches nationwide. Will you help Israel team stand in the gap to fight the scourge of anti-Semitism? Israel team has received a matching grant and every dollar you give to help us build a bridge for the the next generation will be matched by January 1st, 2022. You can donate today by going to our donate page at israelteam.org. And for your donation, we'll send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt, The Alarming Rise of Anti-Semitism, and What Can Be Done to Stop It. Be sure to leave your mailing address in the comment section so that we can mail the book out to you. Help us meet this matching grant by going to our donate section at israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel in You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel in You. I'm your host, Aaron Free, and we have a very special guest today in the program. It's my wife, Sharon, and she's the Associate Dean for Research and Evaluation and Development at the College of Nursing at the University of South Alabama. And her focus uh, is on the family table, the family meal, the importance of sharing a meal together uh, as a family. And so we're talking about a very critical time in our world where it seems that we're in a wilderness experience. And Sharon is talking to us about the importance of coming to the table in a time of wilderness. Thank you, Aaron. I've really been sharing just the spiritual significance, the practical application, and just the importance of gathering around the table. And I was sharing different points, just the instruction around the table. And you know, I think one area that is so important, the table is really identified as a place of blessing. And we are encouraged in scripture to to bless our family, our children. And I think it's interesting in Psalm 31, 28, um, it it says her children stand and bless her. And I believe that they were modeling what was done to them. I believe that their mother and their father blessed them and encouraged them. And I think it's important during this season is take time at every gathering to encourage one another, to bless those around you, to say positive words to let them know how proud you are of them, how resilient they are. And and if there's upsetting things, those are not things to discuss at the table. Let's make the table a positive place of love and blessing. I remember, Sharon, we did a series when we were pastoring. We did a series on the importance of the family table. And a gentleman came to my office uh, the next week and said, you know, I'm 85 years old. And I've not been such a blesser. I've been more of a verbal abuser to my children and my grandchildren. What can I do to sort this out? 
And I said, you know, you, you can change. Even though you're 85, you can become a man of blessing. And so I gave him some <clears throat> helpful instruction. And that Christmas, he brought his family around the table. And instead of being critical towards them, he spoke words of blessing. And he went around the table, laid his hands on all of his uh, children and grandchildren and blessed them. And he told me a few weeks later that the entire family was in tears. And it was such a moment of reconciliation uh, that, you know, he was beginning to learn how to become a blesser rather than a curser. And the family table was kind of his launch pad in order to bring reconciliation to his entire family. That is such a great point. And I think, you know, during these holidays, like our family knows, we've always established kind of the ground rules that the table is a place of encouragement and blessing, but you may have a lot of people coming in. And uh, a lot of times I even be, when Aaron prays over the food, we'll say, this is just a time to encourage one another. And eventually, sometimes during a meal, you know, someone may pop up with something very negative or discouraging. And a lot of times I'll deflect that and say, you know, let's just focus. This is a really special time around the table. Let's focus on all the good things that God has done for us, because I think it's really important to keep the table a positive place of encouragement and instruction. And the, ta- the table is also a place of just sharing just stories of encouragement um, and faith of what God has done for us that year. You know, John 12, one through two, it says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where, La- where Lazarus who had been, um, had been dead, who he raised from the dead. And there he made him a supper. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table. And verse, and can you imagine this scene at that table? The people came to hear the testimony of Lazarus. And I think the testimony he shared was, I was dead for four days, enjoying heaven's splendor. Suddenly I heard a voice, Lazarus, come forth. Suddenly I was back in my body in a cold, dark tomb. I was covered in grave clothes and I shouted, hey, get me out of here. Some men helped me cut off the hardened mummy clothes and I was set free. So the table is really an important place to share your life experiences and take time to invite someone over these holidays to lunch or dinner at your home. You know, I'm just thinking back just over this last week, Sharon, uh, on Sunday, a, a, a fr- friends of ours, a couple, they invited us to their home for a meal Sunday afternoon. And when we walked through the door, I have to say, I just felt the, the a presence of peace, a presence of joy. And we sat at their table and, you know, we just talked about our families, about things that God is doing in our families. We shared stories. We shared life experiences. And on top of all that, the food was really, really good. And I, I actually went back for seconds. It was so good. And then just last night, uh, we got an invitation just uh, yesterday morning, just some friends said, hey, can you come to our, our home for a meal tonight? And so, yes, of course, we, we want to come. So we went to their home. We walked in. And, and again, I just felt, uh, you know, with, with all the crazy things happening in our world and all the stress, uh, when we walked through their door, you know, we heard worship music playing and they invited us to their table. They, they lit candles and we just shared about, you know, the holiday season, what our families are going to be doing uh, to celebrate the birth of Christ. 
And it was just a remarkable experience. I honestly, I did not want to leave. We were having so much joyful fun just talking about all the goodness of God. You know, and I think that is so important that we always know that the table is a place of favor and a a place of encouragement. And let the table be a place of affirmation and never words of cursing or tearing down. It's often so easy to use the dinner table to catch up on what we haven't had a chance to discuss with our kids earlier that day. You know, avoid that saying, hey, you know, we didn't clean our room. The teacher called. There's a problem. This is a problem. Or with, sometimes that may be the only time you see people and you want to bring up um, a lot of problems. But save that for another time. Make the table a place that everybody wants to come to. You see that words of favor and encouragement have a drawing power. Around the table, encourage the children to excel in their callings. Jesus said in Luke 14.10, But when you're invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friends, go up high. Then you'll know you have the glory in the presence of those who sit with you at the table. Notice the person here that sits in the lowest place, but somewhere in in the mealtime, the master of the banquet says to the person, Go higher. Many times I came to my mother's table low, discouraged, maybe about, you know, school or feelings of pressure. Um, I would come to the table at a low place, but my mom would always encourage me to get up higher, to go higher. She not only prepared a table for me in the wilderness moment, but she spoke words that really restored my emotions. She poured favor on me at the table. And the table is also a place of nurturing. Psalm 128.3 says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. And think about it this way. Our children are like growing olive plants. They're tender shoots that need constant nurturing and care. And the table is a wonderful place to nurture our children. Also, the table is a place of forgiveness and reconciliation. Oftentimes, Jesus used the setting of a table to speak forgiveness to a person. The table is a wonderful place to reconcile broken relationships and forgive one another. As I mentioned earlier, one of Jesus' last act was to make breakfast for his disciples. He used that mealtime to restore his relationship with Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus asked Peter three times because he denied Jesus three times. He reinstated him and restored him back into leadership. Paul says, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat in Romans 12, 20. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring reconciliation in your family at the table this holiday. And also the table is a place to encourage long-lasting friendships. Um, And I think, as Aaron shared this last weekend, we had lovely meals at some of our friends' house that we've been friends with for 25 years. And it's just such a great way to keep encouraging and keep um, establishing those long relationships. One of David's words of wisdom to his son Solomon was to continue developing a relationship with one of David's confidants. Um, so it's important for us to really keep a table as a place of friendship. Yeah, so important. And one of the things people used to ask each other when they met was, how is your soul? 
And, you know, our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions. And at the table, I think it's a very important question to ask. How's your soul doing in these times of stress and, uh, you know, wilderness wanderings, uh, going through a very difficult time? How is your soul? We're so thankful during this season that we know that you're going to really come into a time of peace and joy at the table. And uh, thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you in part two next week. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.